There's a, uh, a story told of a young English soldier who lived during the time of Oliver Cromwell. He had been tried in a military court and uh, found guilty, and uh, he was sentenced to die uh, by being shot to death uh, at the evening curfew as the bell was rung. And his fiancée, learning of this, climbed up into the bell tower midday when no one was looking. She strapped herself to the huge uh, bell clapper. And uh, later that evening, as uh, muffled sounds were coming out of the bell, uh, Cromwell was, was concerned. And the, uh, uh, the order came from him to send the soldiers up into the bell tower to see what, what had happened. And there they found this fiancé cut, uh, bruised, and bleeding. And uh, they brought her down, and when they had revived her, they, uh, they spoke with her. And Cromwell was so amazed at the depth of her commitment and love uh, for her fiancé that she would give her her own self sacrificially that he declared uh, the man uh, pardoned and uh, released him and said, Tonight the curfew will not ring. The thing that strikes me as I think about that story, and I'm told it is a true one, that uh, is that... Uh, that's what we all want. We all want to be loved unconditionally. We want to be known and understood. We want to be cared for and to know that we're important uh, in the eyes of someone else. And uh, fortunately, we are. And Jesus tells us so this morning in an allegory in John chapter 10. So I'd invite you to turn there with me. John chapter 10. We'll begin by reading in verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has led them out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow. But they will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus begins uh, this uh, little story with a a very familiar uh, incident. If you've ever been to Palestine, you know that there are sheep all over the place. In fact, it's hard to travel from one city to another without seeing shepherds tending their flocks uh, out in the fields. Back then, uh, shepherds, Uh, had small flocks, usually 50 to 100 sheep, and it was their responsibility to to live with their their flock and to care for them. They provided nourishment by being assured that the the sheep had uh, green pasture and clear water to drink. They rescued uh, lost sheep uh, from the uh, attacks of uh, of wolves, bear, and, and, uh, and other wild beasts. They were also responsible for um, uh, gathering in strays that had taken uh, taken leave of the flock. Uh, you may be familiar with the 23rd Psalm, which is a beautiful picture of uh, God's care for us. He treats us like a shepherd, David said. At night, the shepherd's responsibility was also to care for the flock, but it had, it had uh, more direction. It was aimed at protecting the flock from the assault of, of wild beasts, from robbers or thieves that might try and break in. Uh, and steal the sheep, as well as from hazardous weather. So shepherds generally drove their flocks, or led their flocks, rather, into sheepfolds. Uh, they were common 
uh, inns, basically, for sheep to stay in. They were uh, made of stone walls about uh, four to six feet in height. Some of them had partial roofs, somewhat like a lean-to, so that uh, during hazardous weather the sheep could get under the roof. Uh, But the sheepfold only had one door and and one guard or watchman to to care for the flock. And uh, shepherds generally felt confident in leaving their sheep there overnight, and uh, they left and and, uh, found rest and lodging elsewhere. Now, in the morning, it was the shepherd's responsibility to come back to the fold, uh, come back to the sheepfold. The doorkeeper would open the door, he would enter in, and he would call his sheep by name, Jesus tells us in in verse 3. Evidently, there was such a close bond between the sheep and the shepherd that uh, he had developed names, nicknames, or pet names for each uh, uh, for each sheep. We do the same thing uh, with those that we care for. Uh, in our home, for example, if you were to visit, you would uh, hear the names Honey or Sweetheart, uh, though you might not know who was being referred to. Uh, Cherry usually uh, answers to either Honey or Mommy, depending on who's calling. Uh, Jenny, our oldest, uh, refers to Sweetheart. Uh, Laura, who is uh, three now, answers to uh, Pumpkin Duncan. And David, our little two-month-old, uh, doesn't really answer yet, but he kind of smiles when uh, when I call him Davy Crockett or uh, my big bruiser. Uh, the shepherd did the same thing with his sheep. There was a close, personal, intimate relationship between the two. We're not told what the shepherds uh, called their sheep. Perhaps it was uh, Fluffy or Cream Puff or Snowball. Uh, no one knows for sure. But in any case, the shepherd would come and he would call his sheep uh, each by name, and they would divide themselves. They would separate themselves from, the, from the, the sheep of other flocks, and they would come to their shepherd, and then at that point he would lead them out of the sheepfold to find uh, adequate pasture grazing for the day and provide for their, uh, uh, their daily needs. Now you'll notice that in the allegory, Jesus refers to the thief and the robber, the one who climbs over the wall. Uh, back then, as there are today, uh, there were thieves, uh, men of, of unscrupulous character who uh, wanted to steal sheep. Uh, they would do it in one of two ways. Either they would dress up like the shepherd and uh, try and sneak in the door and, and call out names hoping to uh, attract sheep. In fact, we're told even today of incidents uh, of that happening. Uh, generally, it only resulted in the flock being driven away because, as Jesus says in verse 5, the sheep knew their master's voice and they wouldn't respond to strangers. The other method of stealing sheep uh, took place uh, during the, the cover of night when the small uh, bands of robbers or thieves would come uh, to, the, uh, uh, to the sheepfold. They would climb over the wall and uh, quietly slit the throat of a couple sheep and then hand the sheep over the wall to their associates. Jesus says that the, uh, the shepherd uh, doesn't do that. The shepherd is set in contrast in this allegory with the, uh, the thief and the robber. Now, the question that I had to ask myself as I was reading through this this past week is, uh, uh, so what? Uh, the, the allegory seems so obvious, so easy to understand particularly in, uh, in an agricultural community as Palestine is. And yet there's a curious thing that, that we find in verse 6, and that's that 
those to whom Jesus spoke simply did not understand. John tells us this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. I don't think that John wants us to believe that they misunderstood the, uh, the story on a, or on a uh, natural or animal uh, level. I think the problem is that Jesus was directing this allegory to the hearts of the leaders of Israel. In fact, if you look at the end of chapter 9, you'll find that he's speaking with the Pharisees. And there's no hint that uh, the audience has changed here uh, in uh, chapter 10. And evidently, he's directing his thoughts and his uh, comments to the, uh, the spiritual leadership within the nation of Israel. And they had to scratch their head because they were not accustomed to leading in this way. The Jews were not used to uh, having leaders who cared for them uh, as a shepherd would care for his sheep. Well, Jesus goes on and he explains the allegory in verses 7 through 18. And his explanation, or rather application of the allegory to himself, is centered around two more I am statements. We've seen these throughout the Gospel of John. In John chapter 6, Jesus refers to himself as the... uh, Uh, the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. In chapter 7, he says, I am the light of the world. Again, in chapter 8, another I am. And here we find two more. First of all, I am the door in verses 7 through 10. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I came that they might have life and might have it abundantly. Jesus begins by claiming to be the door through which we find access to God. He says, to anyone who enters through me, you shall find salvation. Obviously, Jesus is speaking uh, from a, a spiritual perspective. Uh, The only way that we can find salvation is through him. Yet I think there's another side to what he's uh, teaching here, and that's at at the, uh, the present life level. I think Jesus is saying that those who enter in through him into the fold find freedom and security. He uses that phrase, they go in and out. The shepherds would take their sheep in and out, out by day, in by night, and wherever they, uh, they were, provided they were with the shepherd, they would have freedom and security. He says that he'll provide pasture, and I think uh, Jesus is saying that those who enter through him find nourishment for their souls and for their lives. Now you'll notice again, the thief uh, is not concerned with providing for the needs of the sheep. In fact, Jesus says he climbs over the wall. He doesn't enter through the door. He doesn't enter through Christ. Uh, and I think the Lord gives us a clue as to who the uh, the thief and the robber uh, is in verse uh, 8. Uh, notice, if you have a New American Standard, that the uh, tenses of the two verbs in the first clause are different. Uh, Jesus says, all who came, past tense, before me, are, present tense, thieves and robbers. That's the best translation of those two verbs. I think what he's suggesting is that those who came before him were still there. They were on the scene, even as he spoke. 
Some have, have uh, speculated that he was referring to false messiahs that were there claiming to be, uh, uh, to be the one sent of God to offer salvation. But for myself, I think the, uh, the point is, is more directed toward the Pharisees. They were the ones who uh, were not concerned with grace and truth. In fact, as they shepherded the flock of God, the nation of Israel, they were concerned with works and tradition rather than grace and truth. In chapter 9, you'll remember the, uh, the blind man was healed by Jesus. They didn't respond by rejoicing and by pointing others to the Savior. In fact, they responded just the opposite, by excommunicating the blind man and by trying to discredit the Lord, uh, claiming that he was uh, from the devil. Thieves today are, uh, are similar. Uh, they're is to point us towards ourselves rather than to point us to Christ. They're the teachers and the philosophers, the movers and the shakers that uh, uh, assure us that we can make it on our own, that we really don't need the Lord, that we have the resources within ourselves to uh, find a meaningful and a fulfilled life. I was struck this past week as I watched a couple of the uh, uh, Phil Donahue uh, episodes entitled The Human Animal, that there was uh, an, an obvious lack of, uh, of hope in anyone other than man presented. And each night Donahue would, would end the program uh, making a comments similar to, we can do it on our own if we try. And he would walk off the set and there would be an empty chair. And, and I asked myself, where is God? Are we no more than simply a human animal Yes, more intelligent than other creatures, but still an animal. Well, obviously, that's not what the Scripture says. There is a God uh, who wants to, uh, to know us, wants to fill our lives, and want, wants to give us direction and uh, uh, the strength to live above the rest of the animal kingdom. But the thieves exist today, and we find them in our neighborhoods, uh, on the television, uh, set. We find them in the classroom uh, and in the media. And, uh, and their ploy is look to self. It's not enter through the door, which is Christ. Well, Jesus goes on from there and claims in verses 11 through 18 to not only be the door in the allegory, but also to be the shepherd. In fact, in the allegory, it's a shepherd. And in his explanation, he says, I am the shepherd. He says, beginning in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hireling or a hired man is not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep. He beholds the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. <clears throat> he flees because he is a hireling, and he is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and, or therefore, I lay down my life for the sheep. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus refers to us as sheep. You ever wondered why uh, over and over again in the scriptures we're referred to as sheep? If you've ever been around them, you know that uh, it's not a compliment. Uh, sheep are basically uh, pretty dirty animals. Uh, and they're not terribly intelligent. Uh, in fact, you may be surprised to know that a sheep left unattended 
can wander away from the flock, even just a, a few hundred yards away, and starve himself to death without ever attempting to come back to the flock. So it's critical that the shepherd is there to help him. When I was a boy, my dad bought three sheep for me. I had a ram, a ewe, and a, and a baby lamb. We penned them in our backyard. We had a, about an acre or two. And it was my responsibility to take care of the sheep, to make sure that they had clean water and, and uh, clean grass to graze on. We'd move the, the corral around. Uh, and during the winter time, we would give them hay. Uh, and I really enjoyed being a shepherd uh, at the age of eight. But an interesting thing happened one night as I was awakened, probably about three or four in the morning, and I heard some dogs barking. And I really wasn't sure what was going on. I listened and and uh, could only hear the dogs, so I assumed that they were barking at a train that usually came by in the middle, uh, middle of each night. But in the morning, I learned that they had killed uh, each of my sheep. Uh, a pack of wild dogs had come through and uh, virtually eaten them in the same way that, that uh, the uh, uh, Lord describes here. I remember... Uh, really being saddened and brokenhearted that, that next morning as my dad and I went out, we, we dug some little graves and buried the sheep. And uh, the gnawing thought that kept running through my mind is, why didn't they cry out? If only I had heard the sheep bang, uh, bang, I would have, uh, I would have tried to do something. Uh, my dad and I would have gone out, we would have shot our guns in the air or, or attempted to do something to drive them away. But they didn't even have the common sense to cry out when under attack. See, I don't think it's a mistake that the Lord refers to us as sheep. I think we tend to do the same things. And uh, given enough freedom and enough uh, unattention by the Lord, uh, we can make quite a mess out of our lives. We can mess up our marriages and mess up our, uh, our homes and, and blunt, make terrible blunders with our children. We can make a mess of our, uh, our vocations if we're not looking to him uh, as the good shepherd. Well, the hireling, Jesus says, uh, doesn't risk his life. I had a laugh this week as I was uh, studying. I read across a law in the Mishnah, which is a uh, collection of Jewish traditions about how to live life. And the law said that the... Uh, the hireling was only responsible to stay and to defend the flock against danger if he saw one wolf. But if he saw two, then uh, that was considered, quote, an unavoidable accident. I thought, how ridiculous. I can just picture myself as a hired hand out tending some sheep and watching one sheep come over the, uh, uh, the hill. And I know my first response would not be to wait, stick around and see if there was a second one following I would hit the road immediately. Jesus says that that's what the hireling does. He leaves uh, as soon as danger comes, and he doesn't uh, seek to, uh, to rescue the sheep. And he gives two reasons why the hireling does this. Uh, in verse 13, he says, He flees because, first, he's a hireling. He's a hired hand. In other words, the sheep don't belong to him. There's no sense of, of ownership involved with the hireling. He's not concerned with losing the flock because it, it doesn't necessitate all of his livelihood. It's 
just as easy for him to go get a new job tending a new flock. So he leaves. The second reason Jesus says the hireling leaves is that he's not concerned about the sheep. Literally, he has no care for them. It's no great loss. Uh, he's not concerned if, um, if they're hurt or if they're killed. But the good shepherd, on the other hand, treats them just the opposite. Notice what he says in verses 14 and 15. He says, I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and my own know me. You see, with the Lord, there's a sense of ownership. He realizes that each one of, of his sheep is, is so important and so dear to him. He cares for them. The second reason is that uh, is explained in verse 15. He says, Even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father... Excuse me. He says, I know my own, and my own know me, just as... Uh, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. In other words, there's a closeness, there's an intimacy between uh, the sheep and the shepherd that is of the same nature as the, uh, Jesus' commitment and intimacy between him and the Father. I don't know if you realize the full implications of that, but that is a staggering thought to think that the same love and the same depth of commitment that the Father has to the Son, the Son has to His own. And He says that His own have to Him. It's a beautiful picture, I think, of, uh, of the Christian life. So the Son lays down His life, and obviously He's uh, uh, foretelling what would take place when He went to Calvary and died on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to die. He does it for two reasons. He does it because... He has a sense of ownership and because he has a deep concern and care for us. Incidentally, this passage provides us with a beautiful model of ministry. Some of us here at Cole are involved in, in shepherding uh, the flock. Some of, of us are elders. Some are, are Sunday school teachers, uh, growth group or home Bible study leaders. Some of you are involved in, uh, in other ways as shepherds, I would encourage you to read through this chapter, placing yourself in Jesus' shoes as the shepherd and looking at those to whom you've been called to minister as a sheep. Reflect on that and uh, evaluate how you're doing. Do you care for your sheep in the same way that, that the good shepherd cares for his? Are you intimately involved in their lives? Do you know their needs? Do you know where they're hurting? Can you provide direction for them? Do you know how to feed them and nourish them? That's a responsibility that he's given to many of us, and he doesn't uh, want us to take it lightly. In fact, Jesus says at the end of, uh, of this gospel to his own disciples, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. In other words, his pattern of ministry is to be ours as well. Well, he said that he loves us sacrificially as the Good Shepherd in verses 11 through 15. Would you look at verses 16 through 18? I think here Jesus shows us that his love is not only sacrificial, but it's aggressive. He takes the initiative with his own. He says, And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, 
And they shall hear my voice, and they shall become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment, or authority, I received from my Father. Jesus says two things of significance here. He says, I must seek lost sheep. He says there are sheep of a different fold, and I think he's referring to the Gentiles. Uh, The fold to whom he was speaking uh, consisted of the nation of Israel. And there were others that he knew had to be drawn into him, others that would hear his voice and recognize him and follow. We find uh, the Lord's shepherding of the Gentiles in the book of Acts through his church. Uh, as uh, Peter and Paul and Barnabas and many of the other uh, early church missionaries went out and brought in others to the fold. The Lord says, I must bring other sheep, and he aggressively seeks them out. The interesting thing is that I think he continues to do the same thing today. I think when uh, when we stray away, when we... Uh, choose to uh, to walk away from the Lord, to begin to sin. Uh, he seeks us out as the good shepherd that's looking for sheep that are straying too far and about to harm themselves. And he picks us up and he puts us back on his shoulders and he carries us back to the flock because he's an aggressive lover of those that belong to him. The second thing that I want you to notice in this section is that he voluntarily gives up his life. Nobody takes it away from him. Don't ever let anyone tell you that Jesus had to go to the cross because he didn't. Uh, He could have stopped it at any time. In fact, you may remember in the Garden of Gethsemane that his, his first desire was to bypass the cup of death. He prayed, Father, if this cup can pass away from me, let it pass. Prayed that three times. And then finally... He submitted himself aggressively to the Father's will, and he said, Yet not my will, but yours be done. He gave up his own life voluntarily. And Jesus says here that the Father loved him for that. It's interesting in verse uh, 17, I, I was hung up on this verse all week. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life for the sheep. And it almost appears that Jesus is somehow earning the Father's love. Uh, by his obedience. Then last night I ran across a parallel verse in uh, John 14 where Jesus says to his disciples in verse 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. In other words, obedience to God is evidence of our love uh, for him. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father. When we keep His commandments were loved by Him. We haven't earned His love, but in a very real way, His love is made known to us. Jesus says, And I will love Him, and I will disclose myself to Him. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know when my children do something to please me, something that they know I would like them to do, there's a a sudden rush of love and appreciation for that. It isn't that I love them more than I loved them before, but it's that I delight 
in their obedience. And I want to show that to them. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here in John chapter 10. The Father delighted to see him give up his life for his sheep. Well, the obvious question the passage like this is, what's the application for us? Jesus says that he's the door. Jesus says that he's the good shepherd. And he says that we're the sheep. But how does that really apply to where we live? I'd like to suggest uh, four privileges or four provisions that are suggested here in this passage. We might look at them this way. Four characteristics of being in the fold of God. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're wondering if you are a believer. You're wondering if, if you do belong to the Lord, if you're a Christian. This might be a way for you to answer that question. Four marks of those that are in the fold of God. The first is intimacy. There's an intimacy between the shepherd and his sheep. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. We all want to be known. We all want to be cared for and made to feel as if our, our needs are important. In fact, I think that's why most of us get married, why many of us get involved in social and service organizations. Perhaps you're here this morning uh, as a wife longing to have your husband more intimately involved in your life, longing for him to listen to you and to, uh, to know your need and to move to meet it. Or maybe you're a single person and you're thinking, if only I had a spouse, if only I had a husband or a wife, then I would be truly known. Then my need for intimacy would be met. But those of us who are married know that uh, marriage doesn't solve all those problems. In fact, in fact it usually uh, brings more. Uh, and I think the reason is that humanly no one can meet our need for intimacy. No one can satisfy that longing that we have except the good shepherd. Jesus says in verse 3, He calls his own sheep by name. He has a nickname for each one of us. Someone out there is cream puff. Um, the Lord knows us. And he wants to, uh, to love us with that, that sense of closeness that only he can provide for us. The second mark of, uh, of being in God's fold is that of direction. We all want to know that we're in God's will. We all want to know that we're doing exactly what he wants us to be doing. Perhaps you're a college student and you're wondering what in the world you're going to major in. Or you've just graduated and wondering which direction to go from here. Or like many of us, perhaps you're at about the midpoint in your life and wondering, am I on the right course? Is this, is this where I want to spend the next 30 or 40 years? Or do I need to, to change courses? And perhaps you're a parent and you're watching your child move off in a direction that you would prefer them not to, uh, not to, and you're wondering, how can, I, how can I steer them back? What advice can I give them? What direction can I provide? Well, the Good Shepherd says that he's the only one who can do that. He says in verse 4, when he puts forth all his own, he goes before them. It's interesting. He, he never drives his sheep. He always walks ahead of them. 
and leads them by example. And He'll do that for us as well when we need direction. The third mark or characteristic of being in His fold is that of nourishment. Now, we all want to feel secure. We all want to know that we're whole emotionally and spiritually. And maybe you suffer from uh, feelings of inadequacy or worthlessness. Maybe your self-image is fragile at this point and you're, you're wondering, do I really matter uh, to God or to others? Or perhaps this summer has been extremely dry for you spiritually. You're feeling distant from the Lord and wondering, what, what can I do to, to somehow revive this, this void in my life? Well, the Good Shepherd said, says that he will direct us. Verse 9, he says that the sheep go in and out. There's both freedom and security. And he also leads them to green pasture. He wants to satisfy our needs to feel whole and to feel worthwhile and to feel full spiritually. Well, fourth, there's the mark of protection. When we're uh, assaulted by the evil one, we want to know that we're going to be kept safe. And sometimes it's not through the unseen dangers of this life, it's through the seen. Uh, some of us are struggling financially. Uh, some are, are wondering how we're going to keep our heads above water, how we'll feed our families from uh, one month to the next. Some are uh, wondering how long the job will last or if there will be a job. Some, some of you are single mothers that are trying to, to raise your children on your own, and you're wondering, how in the world am I going to keep my kids from growing up with a fear of divorce or a fear of marrying themselves? Well, Jesus says that he's the good shepherd that protects us. Now, it's important that we know that he never promises to spare us from pain or from suffering. You see, the wolf still comes over the wall. But he does promise to protect us from spiritual harm and from despair in the midst of those attacks. And you see, this is the abundant life that he's referring to. We love to quote John 10.10. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. But abundance of life consists of these four things. Intimacy with the shepherd, nourishment, direction, and protection. Larry Crabb and his... uh, beautiful little book, Effective Biblical Counseling, says this about the abundant life. He says, Christianity was never intended to be one laugh after another. The abundant life which Christians walk countless aisles to find is not the comfortable, problem-free existence most of us are hoping to receive. It's a life of warfare, a struggle for God against Satan, sometimes a life full of disappointments, heartaches, and suffering. If so... What's so abundant about it? He goes on. Simply this, that the, uh, simply this, the knowledge that we belong to the God of reality. There's our intimacy. That we're living a meaningful life under the guidance and control of a caring Savior who will one day bring us into eternal rest. There's our nourishment, our direction, and our protection. And Jesus is the only one who can give it. The world can't. And I guess my my question to each of us today is, what are we looking for or looking to to give us an abundant life? 
Are we looking to our mate? Are we looking to uh, our work, our vocation, our hobbies? Um, Are we looking to the abundance of our possessions? Or are we looking to the Lord Jesus? We all long for that. We all long for intimacy. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning recognizing that, that you're outside of the fold of God. I would suggest that today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to enter in through the door which is Christ, to count on Him, to confess your sin, your waywardness, to ask Him to be your shepherd and to believe on His death and resurrection on your behalf. Or perhaps you're inside the fold of God but feeling somewhat separated from the, the, uh, the Good Shepherd. I challenge you to ask Him to, uh, to enfold you with His love, to renew that sense of, of intimacy that we once had with Him. He wants to be our Good Shepherd, and like it or not, we're sheep who need one. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning and you recognize that you're standing outside of the fold of God and you'd like to come in, would you simply ask the Lord right now in the quietness of your heart to to forgive you of your sins, of your waywardness? Would you acknowledge your faith and belief in Him as your Savior and as your Good Shepherd? Thank you, Father, that you're in the business of enfolding us with your love. Thank you that you meet our basic needs. For those of us who are in the fold this morning, we ask that you would simply renew again in our own hearts the commitment that we have to to hear your voice and to follow you. We trust you to to enfold us with your love and to renew to us that fresh, intimate walk with you that we all desire. And we ask this in Jesus' name.